This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu blinks it back! I'm, I'm not a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Welcome to House of Champions, everyone that's listening on the podcast feed, everyone that's watching along on YouTube. It's so good to have you here joining us. Make sure to download on the onto your podcast feed. Make sure to follow us along. Give us those five-star reviews. And more than that, if you like what we're doing, and why wouldn't you? We've got some absolute superstar journalists, some superstar ex-players, and Nigel Rio Coco along for the ride tonight. Um, <laughs> if you enjoy what we're doing, please do share with your friends. Let everyone know what we're up to. We're uh, we're a burgeoning community. We've got big plans that our producers have been telling us all about, but we can't tell you about just yet. Uh, and it is going to be a very, very fun ride over the next few weeks. Uh, as for tonight, I'm joined by the legendary Nigel Rio Coker, Jonathan Johnson and Mike LaHood. Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you. What are your Ooh. thoughts on that night we've just had? What did I tell you, James? What did Indeed. I tell you? I told you this was going to happen do not sleep on Inter Milan. The only thing I got wrong was the goal scorers. I mean, just complete performance from Inter. The only thing that you can really say about them is why not go for that third goal? They tried, they tried. And could that third goal, that knockout blow, could that be a big talking point going in the second leg? But very impressive performance from Inzaghi's men. Nigel, nice to see you back. Feels like a, a while since we've been on the, on the pod together. How did you uh, enjoy your Champions League watching? Well, it's been actually quite interesting that we haven't been on the pod together because I've heard you've been making some outrageous statements and uh, <laughs> some of our listeners will be coming in for you. Um, I don't mind. I deserve it. it. it hold, hold on. Is that like uh, like semi-confirmation that Nigel gets his entire family watching these episodes and all of those comments are actually coming in from family burner accounts? <laughs> okay, JJ, let's not go there. We, we just had a discussion off air. Anyway, listen, um, I said Inter would win. Um, I think for me that the experience shined through massively in this tie that we saw today. And also what shined through massively is the fact of how important Rafael Leal is to this AC Milan side. He is the talisman. He is their Neymar. He is their Lionel Messi. Without him, they really didn't show a lot of grit or teeth or any kind of threat whatsoever. 
And what you got to give credit to is you look at the ups, the, the long season that Inzaghi has had at Inter Milan, where there were times where we thought he probably could be getting the sack. To do what he's done and get them this far and to make them look so good in this first leg, so well organised, they started bright, they started fresh, they started on the front foot and Inter couldn't live with it. They bullied Inter all over the pitch. To me, at times, it looked like men versus boys. And the experience, as I said as well in previous pod, the experience of Inter would shine through. And that's what I saw today. I saw the experience of this Inter side, how well organised they are defensively, how from front to back, everyone knows their job, how difficult they made it for AC Milan, even without Rafael Leal. They deserve all the plaudits, plaudits and all the credits. And I think that even with the second leg, we'll talk about obviously Rafael Leal maybe starting and coming back into this AC Milan team. But my point is, Inter Milan still are a better defensive side than AC Milan. And in the second leg, they've got a 2-0 cushion. They'll be comfortable to sit deep, defend and play counter-attacking football which is something we've seen them do throughout this tournament. So I, I would say it now, Inter Milan are going through. I only asked how Nigel's night was, and there we go. We've already got predictions for the finalists. Uh, JJ, before we do dive deep in, and, and I know some of our colleagues have, have gone a little bit ahead of the, ahead of the uh, schedule. Um, JJ, what's your thousand mile bird's eye view, your takeaway from this game? I mean, honestly, it's a really easy thing to say, but Milan really missed Rafa Leal. Uh, it felt, you know, almost like this was a kind of training exercise where Inter were kind of attacking at will at times, poking holes in the Milan defence. And I feel like Milan's defence, there were some unexpectedly poor performances, especially given the experience of someone like Simon Kjaer. Uh, and really, it's left them with an uphill task. And I actually... Going back to what Mike said about Inter not getting the third goal, I think uh, thanks to Mike Mignon, uh, you know, Milan is still in it because he made a couple of really smart saves with his feet, uh, you know, managed to, to keep Inter at bay. Obviously got saved by the woodwork as well when uh, it could have been 3-0. VAR had to intervene as well, uh, you know, and save uh, Kjell's blushes, but really, really uh, under par from Milan. Um, and yeah, it's difficult to argue with, with Nigel's prediction that Inter are going through at this moment in time. I mean, I know we all dive into the Rafael Leao. I mean, look, you know, who am I to judge this? I thought AC Milan had it in the bag. I did think Leao would play. So that's my my defence here. We all dive into the, the, the Leao point, and rightly so. But Rafael Leao wasn't the reason that Inter Milan scored and AC Milan conceded two goals in the opening 11 minutes. Mike, I mean, I have to say, from, from my perspective, I was surprised, especially with without Leao. We know that AC Milan have played both a back four and a back three this season. Um, I was a little bit surprised, knowing they were coming up against two elite strikers in Dzeko and Martinez, that maybe Pioli didn't even seem to consider going with a back three, getting Teo Hernandez as far up the pitch as possible, because, by God, for a supposedly elite defender, this guy cannot defend. Um, what did you think Pioli... Was it purely getting stuff wrong? Was it uh, yeah. was it a case of uh, just of Simone and Zaghi getting a lot right? What did you reckon? I think it's a combination of both. I think in Zaki, you have to give credit where credit is due. He picked the right 11. The big, big starting position that you had to get right was Kalanoglu coming in. Brozovic, who's been a big factor in the knockout round, starting a majority of the games. Kalanoglu being injured, he didn't put a foot wrong throughout this game. And it allows your two attacking midfielders in Mkhitaryan and Barella, who's been outstanding, 
throughout the campaign in the Champions League for Inter and arguably their player of the season this season to step higher, get in the box, more numbers in attack. For Milan, I agree with you, James. They should have gone with the back three. I was shocked how expansive they started the game. You don't typically see that in the Champions League from AC Milan. They went to Tottenham. They played a back three. When they go on or when they have a big game or they play against a top opponent, they seem to be more in the defensive first and then hit on the transition. And I think Pioli will be kicking himself. But have no fear when you have a player like Rafael Leal, who will be here next tie, you always have a chance. And you saw the momentum shift. Once they got a couple chances in the second half, they looked more like the Milan side who we thought we were going to see a more competitive team. Sanjo Tanali, what he didn't do tracking back defensively, I think he was the culprit for a lot of their demise in midfield. The Mkhitaryan goal, he fell asleep completely. You can't not track your runners as a defensive midfielder. You have to be tight to him. You have to play on both sides of the ball. But as soon in the second half that he got forward, stepping up higher, pressing more, I mean, he had that shot that could have made it 2-1 that hit off the post, and we'd have a totally different storyline heading in the second leg. I'm going to have to dive in here. I... I, I... You know, I, I agree. I understand your your view, Mike, of, of wanting to praise what he did did right. But I, I really thought you'd made the right point earlier on. Sandra Tanali was, yes, he hit the post and there was some nice dynamism getting up and down midfield. Th- that performance was in the first half was atrocious. That performance in the first half may well have cost them the entire tie. And look, he's not alone. You know, I mean, JJ mentioned Kier there as well. Um, Tamori looked like he really froze. But, but there are some basics here, like uh, Nigel, you know, and I'll, I'll come to you now. As a, as a midfielder playing, you know, against when, when you know you've got two centre-backs on two strikers, surely you know from minute one of game one, especially when those two strikers are Martinez and, and Dzeko, that the minute the ball goes to Inter Milan, you've got to be back there screening your, your defence. And I think the same was true for Krunic as well for a long time. Yeah, I mean, listen, James, it's not rocket science. Like I said, when you look at this Inter Milan side, they're a better organised defensive team. Like that, they put a shift in in the sense of positioning and shape and knowing where danger is. Inter AC Milan were very open and expansive. If I was playing in this day and age, you're playing against Jekyll, whoever you're playing against, top strikers at the highest level, as soon as the ball goes past you as a midfielder, you're turning to try and win it from the front. You're trying to help your defenders. As long as your defenders hold them up, you're trying to win that ball back from the front. If it goes back past you again, you're still in a good position because that player has to beat you. But I just think when you look at that game, it was just men against boys. All over the pitch, Inter Milan were the better side. It's hard to argue against that. And uh, they got their just rewards. And it's something that we've seen them do in the earlier ties, how well organised, how defensively solid they are. And no matter what AC Milan do, even with the great Rafael Leal, it's going to be difficult for them to turn that tie around. Like, I, I just can't see it happening. I mean, looking at some of the, the comments coming in, I know Amy's been saying that the Milan players were tired a couple of times. Matt Osmond there saying, uh, you know, Milan were, were woeful in midfield. They were, but sort of trying to make sense of some of Pioli's decisions. Let's also factor in that they lost Ben Asser inside of the first 20 yeah. minutes, which is not ideal. He is a very important player sort of in the, the midfield setup. I mean, I think really in terms of sort of the ropey start to the game, yes, the midfield has to be much better. I was very disappointed by Krunic and Tonali overall, despite the fact that Tonali could have scored when he hit the post. But for me, it was all on the defence. Uh, you know, I think uh, Calabria has to be tighter on Dzeko for the opening goal. Fantastic finish. And I think also maybe Pioli is guilty of buying into a bit of recency bias. 
you know, coming into this game because he'll have been looking at Inter and thinking, oh, you know, suddenly Lukaku is, uh, you know, featuring up front with Martinez more. So let's prepare for that instead of Dzeko. And then suddenly Dzeko is in the starting 11 and Lukaku's on the bench. Uh, you know, and Milan didn't look like they prepared for that at all. Uh, and Calabria is also, you know, not completely absolved of blame on the second goal as well. Uh, you know, I think there there were some really, really poor performances in that opening sort of 10 to 15 minutes. And let's not forget, it could have been much, much worse yeah. uh, as well. So I think to be fair to him, after Benassa went off and once they got to halftime, Pioli sort of steadied the ship a bit. The second half wasn't, as much of a disaster as the first, but still, uh, you know, I think they really needed, uh, you know, either that junior Messias opportunity oh. or Tonali when he hit the post, you know, to really get themselves back in the tie because it does still feel like this is a big, a tall order for them. Jay, 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 can you just jump on that quickly because yeah, you're 100% right. And I think James and everyone here, when it comes to big games like that, goals change everything. That chance that AC Milan in the second half, right early on the second half, they needed to put that away to give themselves any chance of coming back in this tie. That's an opportunity you have to take. You can't put that wide because of these games, these magnitudes. It's the small margins that make a difference. And I know that Inter Milan are going to be very confident that they can defend well for 90 minutes plus against this AC Milan team. One, one thing I want to ask you, JJ, coming back to you, uh, and I'm looking at this second goal now uh, and what passes for, for defending by Hernandez, who doesn't seem to... Notice the danger until Mkhitaryan's putting the ball into the net. What's the view in France of him? I, I mean, I have to say, look, you know, I don't see AC Milan play week in, week out, but I've seen him play a lot in the Champions League. And I mean, he, he feels like a, a defender whose flaws are exposed on a on a weekly basis or, you know, whenever there's Champions League game at the highest level. I mean, he doesn't really get in Didier Deschamps' 11 does he and, and certainly only as a as a left wing back is the view in france that he's just not defensively up good enough i mean i think the view in france in general is there's not many players who are uh sort of good enough at full back and uh wing back i think hernandez is played there because he is you know very attack minded and there's a, a couple of players who kind of fit that profile who have come through over the years uh you know i guess Hernandez is a better version of what levin kazawa could and probably should have been uh you know with his talent and ability to get forward but obviously that leaves very little scope uh you know for for the defensive side of the game you know we're seeing marseille as well have similar problems with it with Tavares at the moment you know fantastic going forward able to chip in with goals and assists but you know really difficult to you know to, to put in a solid and convincing performance when he's asked to do anything defensively and Hernandez is uh you know quite similar to that as well I mean he's not he wasn't necessarily a fixture in Deschamps' plans until injuries sort of changed uh, his needs and wants in the, the World Cup in Qatar. He could potentially be uh, an influential figure for Le Bleu moving forward, but I agree with you. You know, I don't think he is sort of good enough as a outright sort of fallback uh, at elite level. Uh, I think he has a lot of work to do if he's going to be played there. And, you know, with the likes of Camavinga coming on, you know, leaps and bounds with Real Madrid since that position was tested during the World Cup, it's very possible that he outstrips him and takes over from him in the starting 11, assuming that he continues to play that role with Real. But Hernandez, for me, is a player, you know, you have to sort of relieve of that defensive duty and responsibility. And in order to do that, you have to really go with the three-man defence and Pioli didn't. And I think, you know, you're asking for trouble when you, uh, you know, you go like that because they were going to open up massive holes. And to be perfectly honest, it's a bit of a miracle for Milan that, you know, those holes weren't exploited a bit more than they already were. 
I mean, oh. of course, there was one moment where they very easily could have been exploited. And Mike, I want to come to you on this. Yeah. The penalty that wasn't uh, on uh, Tamori or Kier, both of them may well have fouled Lautaro Martinez. I think it's Kier that gets the final touch. Uh, the referee, Jesus Gilmanzano, signals for the penalty, uh, told to go to VAR and uh, then subsequently overrules it. What did you make of that? When I saw it in real time, I thought clear penalty. Credit to Latara Martinez, a player who's been in recent positive form, a player who hasn't shown up in the Champions League, showed up the last round, goal and assist in the second leg, and really looked like he did everything but get that all-important goal that he was deserving of in his movement, tormented the, the two center backs, ran them ragged. He showed why he is such a dangerous forward without the clinical finishing, but why he's such a dangerous forward to keep tabs of. He just rolls Simon Kahar like a ragdoll. And Kahar, he's been good for Milan in the, the Napoli tie. I thought he was excellent. I thought he was more solid than he has been throughout the season. But the inconsistencies of that back line show themselves again. And when I saw the VR replay, it would if they gave a penalty, it would have been a soft penalty. I thought Lautaro Martinez went down. The contact was there, but he went down. He was trying to sell the penalty kick for the referee. My big question mark, though, is if you rescind that penalty kick, where was the yellow card? That could be a big factor for a player that's very emotional, like Lautaro Martinez, who can give a rash challenge. If he gets a yellow card, which he should have gotten, if that's a dive, then that could play a part in whatever happens in the second leg and therefore the final as well. So penalty or no penalty? For me or the rest? Yes, for you. Oh, penalty. It's no penalty. No penalty? Nigel? No penalties. About as emotional as Michael is. Yeah, so no pen, mate. <laughs> JJ? Yeah, no penalty. I actually think that was a penalty, and I certainly don't think... Oh, for no surprise, you did. I, knew I do Christ. not think that VAR should be changing that because there's no obvious reason why, if you've given it, it isn't anymore. Um, and I, you know, I let's would, be clear. I would qualify my statement, though, by saying that I'd expect a, a player of Charles' experience to not take so many yes. risks because I could see why... Many people would think, uh, you know, that it should have been a penalty. Uh, and I think in that respect, he is very lucky. Very lucky indeed. I, th I think you can't complain if that penalty is given against you, if you're seeing yeah, And that could have turned the whole tie. It didn't. And after the break, we're going to talk about whether Milan have any chance of getting through this with Rafael Leao back and perhaps with a new contract under his arm. That'll be back right after the break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's back due to popular demand. UEFA are giving you a chance to win your limited edition UCL Elite 
Foot 23 kit. Winners will also receive a digital copy of the FIFA 23 video game. Will you join the UCL Elite? The UCL Elite Foot 23 kit final drop. Secure your limited edition now. A foot package for the best of the best. Enter now at uefa.com slash elite. And if you're watching on our uh, YouTube live screen in that top right-hand corner over there, you can uh, you can join the competition. I know that my uh, my foot team, which is looking very good now that it has team of the season, Erling Haaland at the top of it, I know they'd look pretty good in that kit. And I've not been to- told to say that bit. That was just all my own ad lib. Right. Next week, <laughs> Nigel, you're not a foot. Are you, are you not a foot player? Do you not play FIFA Ultimate Team, mate? I can't remember the last time I sat down and was able to play computer games, mate. Trust me, I don't. Kids I do. Kids. No, 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 so, no social media, no video games. Yes. What do you do with your spare time? I'm a grumpy old man. Getting yes. wasted. I'm, a, I'm that grumpy old guy. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I tell you, who will not be grumpy uh, in spite of the result? Rafael Leao. 7 million euros a season. I mean, it's it's chump change to the Lionel Messi's of the world, but not bad for the rest of us. And uh, I'm told he will renew uh, his contract in the coming days. Uh, Gazzetta della Sport reported, and, and there you see from Fabrizio Romano, uh, Paolo Maldini's confirmed that it's close to an agreement. Um, the same plan with Re- Rafael Leao. They want to continue together. Gazzetta della Sport puts that at 7 million euros a year until 2028. Nigeria Coca, what a way it would be to mark uh, that new contract with a goal next week. Any chance he can turn the tide? There's always a chance with him playing. But again, I'll just say for me, when you look at the performance you saw today, and then obviously it's going to be reversal on the second leg of Inter being the ones with all their fans in there and AC being the visiting fans, that all's going to play a part. I think for me, again, with Inter Milan, they are just so well organised defensively. They remind me of very similarities to Jose Mourinho's Inter Milan. How hard they are to beat defensively, how well organised they are. They bring the the dark arts of football, all the little things that you see, they've got that in the bag. And what I was very impressed with in watching that game as well, James, is we talk about, um, you you spoke about with JJ, fullbacks not being able to defend. That's what we see in the modern game now. A lot of these fullbacks from young ages are coached to be more of an attacking influence and extra option getting forward than doing the foundation of defending. Ace Inter Milan do it so well. And what gives them the advantage also over AC is the communication. If you watch them, the game from a different kind of perspective, when players are running into zones, there's such great communication between that back line, who goes to close him down, who picks him up, who covers. There isn't a worry of, oh, this is my man, I've got to sit there. So it really is defending at the highest level. I can't see Rafael Leal really being able to do much more than we saw from this AC Milan team today. Yeah, I, I, I think I can. And we talked about Teo Hernandez, and I agree with you, Nigel, of how good defensively Inter has been. And I think it's also down to the credit of that midfield three. They cover so much ground. Look at how much space that Henrik Mkhitaryan and Nicolo Barella, they'd get in the box and get back to make tackles as well. As a back three, as an outside back, it gives you freedom to get forward as an outside defender, but also gives you that that certainty that you're going to get that back pressing from your midfield three that you need at the highest level. For AC Milan, Teo Hernandez was ineffective for large parts of this game because he didn't have the player that he's used to in front of him. When Divac Origi, who you mentioned, James, as your anytime goal scorer off the bench. Milan's man of the match, I'd say. When he came in, he was instantly dangerous because he injected pace. Inter were kind of scrambling a bit. That, That sense of pace on the flank 
that could trouble Inter Milan, and it has troubled them in this competition before. I do think, Nige, overall, I picked them in the preview, and I picked them again still to qualify. I think Inter will have too much in the end. This first leg, dug AC Milan a hole that they won't be able to get out of. Mike, is it outside backs or is it outside backpacks? God bless you, Yang. What's an outside back? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you didn't I'm ask him, James. He's I'm very American. Outside back. Say left back, right back. Isn't they the ones that do the tackles in the NFL? Yeah, exactly. You know, this is... God bless uh, you, Yang. Des, I'm, I'm not even going to say a cuss word. <laughs> I was about to. You know what? I'm going to have to... I'm, I'll, try, I'll try and build on what Mike was saying. And I think... I, I don't think it's impossible for, for Milan to get themselves back in it, but they need a goal and they need a goal very early in that second leg. That can change a lot. I think as well, what happens with Benassa, how serious that injury, uh, you know, is, is, is also going to be influential. Uh, you know, I think maybe moving Calabria into a more central role, if they do play a, a back three and having somebody out wide on the right, uh, you know, could give them a bit of a boost as well, because that way you free up Hernandez uh, on the left as well. I mean, Origi, I feel like he thrives in those kind of chaos scenarios where you're that you know the team is desperate for a goal you throw him on he you know he happens to just do the the unthinkable and then suddenly the team believes again and they go on and score a few more goals so you know maybe looking to throw him on a bit earlier in the game again next time in the second leg you know if Milan already have a goal to their name that could you know potentially be part of Pioli's master plan as well but so much of it I feel does now lie with with Liao because he gives them that directness, that pace, uh, you know, that can instantly open up a, a, a team. And, you know, it does look like it's going to be a, a tall order to to really break down that into defence. But if anyone's going to be able to sort of inject that kind of, uh, you know, threat, uh, you know, and really sweat them in that second leg, it feels like it's going to have to be someone like Liao because, you know, watching Giroud toil the way that he did, it really feels like it would be quite futile if, if Milan are lining up the same way again next week. JJ, I see your well-articulated French opinion. I see and I jump in. Rafael Leao, if he does start, we know what he can do. So tactics-wise, if you're into Milan, you just sit deep. You sit deep, be defensively well-structured and say, break us down. Then with AC Milan's lack of patience, and again, with the naivety and the young side that they have, they'll try so much and they'll leave themselves vulnerable. Remember, Lukaku could start the second leg, maybe. That leaves it open for Lukaku to do just what Rafael Leao can do for AC Milan, but for Inter Milan, which I think is what Inter Milan will do. They will sit if Rafael Leao starts, and they're comfortable to sit in a deep defensive position and say, we're going to hit you on a counter-attack. And AC Milan is still vulnerable on the counter-attack. So that's why I feel that there isn't really too much. But if they can get an early goal, AC Milan, they've got half a chance. I love that point from Nigel on Lukaku. I always think the best version of Lukaku is one that plays on the counter, ball at his feet, yeah. drifting off into that right flank and running at you. And if, you know, he will get the chance to do that in much the same way that Leao does. Not only do I love Nigel's comments, I love some of the ones coming in from you guys as well. Rocco Sage, this is great. A reminder, just as everyone's been saying on the pod, Inter are not here by accident, Rocco says. They have a deep squad and have all areas of the pitch covered. I mean, we really saw that in the second half. Throwing on Joaquin Carrera and Romelu Lukaku, that's depth that a lot of the, the richest scary. teams in Europe do not have. Rafa Cardenas is only 2-0. Milan are still in this. I wish I could share your optimism, Rafa. Well, I, I don't it doesn't really matter to me, actually. I'm not a Milan fan. Um, Vic as well. I like this comment from Vic. Mourinho would have named Leao on the bench for the fear factor. If you can walk to the stadium, 
you can sit on the bench. I did like that. And I do think Mourinho would do that. Of course, Mourinho has got his own injury problems and his own, uh, his own front line to consider against uh, an explosive opponent in Bayer Leverkusen. We're going to talk about that in part three, but before then producer Des has mandated me to discuss Real Madrid against Manchester City. Now I seem to remember, and I might correct me if I'm wrong, I said this would be a cagey match that Manchester City absolutely would not batter Real Madrid and this tie absolutely would not be <laughs> over inside 45 minutes, let alone at 90. Um, I'm still feeling pretty good about my prediction though. You know, Real Madrid have got to go to the Etihad. Antonio Rudiger and David Alaba have got to have the, one of the best games I've seen either of them have against Erling Haaland. Um, am I right to still feel confident, Mike Lahoud? Did you did you say that, or did you say it was going to be I what, seem two to or two, two I one? Seem to, or I seem to remember one. I called a one or Just two good, better players. All that, all that jazz. No, I, I agree with you, James in the present day prediction, the present day analysis of this was always going to be a second leg affair. And we taught, we had so much trouble talk. We had so much city or just too good superhuman team, but they're going against the Kings of Europe. The, the team that set up this whole competition to begin with Real Madrid, they're, they're a cut above the rest because they know how to show up and they have an amazing record in the modern game in the modern era going to England. And they will be up for this game. Vinicius jr. He is a player who is world-class. He showed it in the goal he scored. KDB, those two players could decide this tie, but the depth of both teams, I think, would ultimately decide it. Why Pep Guardiola didn't make any subs is beyond me. I don't think we'll see that in the second leg. Julian Alvarez, I expect him to come off the bench, if not start. Riyad Mahrez, I expect him to, to start this game because he offers more than Grealish or what we saw from whoa, Bernardo Silva. Whoa, JJ. He He's going at your man, Grealish. Yeah. Jack was not good. No, I mean, to be honest, in terms of Grealish, I think Grealish's fault in that game is that he allowed Carvajal to get in his head, especially with that nudge in the in the first half. I think that's going to be a really intriguing subplot if both of them start in the, the second leg. So, you know, all eyes on that. But I, I feel, and obviously I'm biased as a Villa fan, and also it's kind of hard to make the argument after Morris was so brilliant recently, but I feel that ultimately Grealish gives you a little bit more uh, in terms of sort of consistent unpredictability, if that makes any sense. Probably doesn't. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff that's said on this show that doesn't make any sense. But uh, no, I mean, really, I, I I feel that Grealish, you know, he has the the, the capability to, to be a match winner, as Mahrez does. And, you know, Mahrez often reserves some of his best form for the Champions League as well. But if I was to move somebody out of that City eleven to bring Mahrez in, I'd be looking more at somebody like a Bernardo Silva than a Grealish. I thought, I thought that Silva really struggled at times in the in the first leg and for me i'd be looking to maybe use him more as an impact substitute but then again pep guardiola knows so much better than i do uh, and we saw that because i think there was a stat about him not making a change in the game it's the first time since ferguson against milan in like i don't know 2012 or something like that um I think we're going to be for a fantastic game of football, in my humble opinion. Real Madrid, for me, have a bit more dynamism about them. I don't think that there's anything in this Manchester City side that Real Madrid fear. You know, and I think Kabla was the one who said it as well after. They they don't fear anything. I think they we saw the best of Manchester City. The only change you can do is, like you said, you bring Mahrez in. Brings him a different dynam dynamic movement, dynamic pace. That's the only difference you can see. That was Manchester City at their best. And you still felt Real Madrid... Oh. 
You think well, that was Manchester City at their best? That was oh, at their, that was them at their best. Uh, at no, their, they, that was their best. Wait. No, okay, no, let no. me just finish my Listen, you had the mic to say what you want to say, all right? Anyway, I just think that for me, Real Madrid have a lot more. I don't think they're going to be fearful of the Etihad at all. I think But it's going to be a Alaba. boiling hot atmosphere, Nigel Ruokoka. We yeah, all know I'm that sure uh, it's it really is, yeah. intimidating for any it's team. So intimidating. Going it's so intimidating for Rudigan Alaba for those type of players and forget how good a footballer they are but you know that they've got a different kind of personality outside of football. I don't think there's going to be anything that intimidates them to go in there. So I, I just still give the slight edge to Real Madrid. And I think Vinicius Jr. is right now currently the world's best football player. Wow. What do you mean, wow? Who else is there? Harland. Mbappe. James, who had more <laughs> to say? Who had more to say in that game? Just an yes. off night for Harland and a brilliant night for Rudiger and, and Alaba. No, listen, we've seen it before when Haaland comes against top defenders. He's not involved compared to how Benzema links up. Let's be real about this. If we, We've got another show for this. We can do this to really analyse tactics. But I can, I can see about... the editorial content now. Nigel Riococa, <laughs> Premier League defenders. <laughs> yeah, quickly, we need to. In fact, that's going to be, we can get that aggregated. That could be flying across the whole online newsosphere. You can see mirrorfootball.co.uk. Your, your, fa- your family will have to go out and buy copies of the Premier newspapers and put, put the clippings back Harland. in the old scrap. Oh, yeah, because I've not been abused in my life, have I, playing for West Ham? I haven't had to deal with a lot of abuse, mm. eh? Yeah. <sighs> can I just, can I, I, I want to talk about one final thing. Uh, all this yeah. nonsense about whether the ball went out of play in the build-up to De Bruyne's goal. It, it, it's just so stultifyingly stupid and I was a bit disappointed that Carlo Ancelotti the great man um would lose his cool so much about this because god if nothing else I mean Christina Uncle had a, had a great point here that the ball probably didn't go out and you can't really tell from being sports um back of a fag packet graphic that they knocked together in an hour um but even if it did we all seem to forget that like Real Madrid had the ball again I don't want to sound be like Alfie Harland definitely not throwing nuts uh, the Real Madrid fans, but like you guys had possession, they had loads of time. Um, so yeah, that's the last. I am officially, I know that Ian will probably be hosting next week, but moratorium, there will be no discussion of whether the ball was in or out of play next week. It is forbidden, right? After the break, we're going to talk some Europa League. I'm excited about this two cracking semi finals and a little mention for Nigel Rio Coca's former club as well. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Right, Europa League. I've been really looking forward to this and I've been particularly looking forward 
to AS Roma against Bayer Leverkusen. You can watch that on Paramount Plus as well as Juventus Sevilla. I want to talk about uh, Roma Leverkusen. I made clear in the preview, Juventus Sevilla puts me to sleep. Mike Lahoud, I will be wide awake, as you well know, for Roma Leverkusen. For, for maybe for those of us, for those of our viewers that aren't too familiar with these two teams, what, what should people be looking out for? Oh, keep an eye on your Bayer Leverkusen team. They're young, they're exciting, they score a ton of goals, and they have one of the most stylish managers in the entire world, Xabi Alonso, and not just style in terms of what he has on his wardrobe, but how he views and plays the game. Their front three of Adley, Musa Diaby, and your boy, Florian Wirtz, who I know you're very high on, who I know you would love to play for a certain team that lives around the bend from you, James. Wimbledon. <laughs> it would be good. <laughs> no, but those three players, they, they're they exciting. I mean, just on the counter, this is the Leverkusen team that they play a 3-4-3. Your front three, they play narrow, and your two fullbacks, thank you very much, Nigel Rukoker, Bomb, Ford, Frimpong, and Diaby, that combination, they are devastating on their day, and they could put on a show in the Stadio Olimpico against a Roma team that's been on the slide in their last four matches without a win. Injury woes at the club right now for Mourinho. Yeah, I'm glad that Mike said uh, Roma have been on the slide right now because since praising Jose Mourinho and Roma, they've gone on that awful run of form. Uh, and I think it now adds a bit of a, a jeopardy element to this game for Roma because if they were to go out in the semifinals, they're looking down the barrel at potentially dropping out of the European places in Serie A as well. So suddenly there's a lot more riding on this. Uh, you know, for Mourinho and he'll be sweating, uh, you know, whether or not to dangle a key ring in front of one of the the opposing uh, journalists uh, before or after this game. But no, for, for this one, it is fascinating because I feel like Leverkusen have a lot of untapped potential. You know, their league position doesn't necessarily reflect how well they've been playing, but it's also sort of testament to how far Xavi Alonso has led them since taking over. But I also disagree with regards to Juventus Sevilla for a second. I think that that is going to be a really intriguing one. I think that Sevilla will avoid defeat away from home and keep those hopes of reaching the final in their tournament alive for the second leg. They're going to win it. Dare I say it now, Roma v Sevilla in the final, right? Michael says, Leverkusen, young side, exciting, blah, blah, blah. They're going up against Jose Mourinho, the experienced old man wizard. Like, he will undo this Leverkusen side completely. Jose Mourinho all the way, Michael. Forget their slide. Like JJ said, very good point. They need this competition. And Mourinho knows that. And I'm sure the players are going to be very aware of that. So I'm just going to be quick. Roma, Sevilla final. I think you're totally, totally wrong. Oh, oh yeah. Because you haven't said some absolutely outlandish things recently. <laughs> and being called out by our great fans right now for the nonsense that's come out of your mouth. I think, especially with that Roma Leverkusen, it's all well and good. He can maybe stop Florian Wirtz drifting into the middle. Outlandish, unbelievable. You know the Roma team, the way that they play is just they play the dark arts. Let's see when someone leaves a little bit of of Wirtz when he gets the ball a bit. Let's see how much he fancies it. He can maybe slow down one of Jeremy Frimpong or Moussa Diaby. There's no way they're getting close to both. I think I think this will be a draw in the first leg because like we'll you say, see. Nigel, we'll see some Mourinho dark arts. And I want to, JJ, I want to ask you about Mourinho in a second. But, you know, I think Bayer Leverkusen have the quality to to win this whole thing. I don't much care who they play against. But JJ, on the subject of Mourinho, is he going to PSG? I mean, when you guys see like a fire, like a bonfire, do you think to like throw petrol on it? 
I don't think you do. I do. But apparently that's what PSG is sort of considering at the moment to throw into all of this melodrama that's been going on at Parc des Princes in the last few weeks. Little update for you guys. We're recording this on a Wednesday evening. PSG's ultras, so the fans who have stood loyal to this team as the club basically crumbles to the ground have said that they're disbanding until further notice. So there's not even going to be any fans to celebrate or potentially celebrate this historic 11th league untitled that they're trying to get across the line. So, uh, you know, Mourinho may well be rocking up at Parc des Princes with no fanfare at all if he does make the move. But for me, I find it difficult to see. I think there are potential potentially one or two figures who have maybe the favor of uh, PSG's decision makers at the moment, more so than Mourinho. But if Luis Campos stays in, in position, we know that they have, uh, you know, quite a privileged relationship. So one to watch, I think is what I would say. So JJ question for you then. So with the fans, obviously disbanding and not wanting to what, be more fans, huh? <laughs> what fans Okay, so <laughs> they've, they've, the they've thrown in the towel. They've given up the ghost. Are they, upset with ownership or are they upset with directors of football who yeah, is they're upset with? with everything they're upset with being crap i mean wouldn't you it's, <laughs> it's one 11 it's, league titles yeah but not all of them oh, under, oh there you go Qatari rule but also you know the you know the the expectation is that they would have been much more competitive in the champions league they haven't been i mean to be honest if you told me this 10 years ago just after the Qataris arrived i would have believed it you know, if they'd have tried to get him in to replace Carlo Ancelotti, they might have actually stood a chance of setting themselves up as a, a European football institution, but they didn't. And now they've become a European football laughing stock instead. So the reality of it is money doesn't always guarantee happiness, people. Just so you know, money is not going to guarantee you happiness. <laughs> no, but I'm sure that Lionel Messi is going to enjoy his 12 months or so in Saudi Arabia. Oh, hang out a bit more with some Falcons. <laughs> some Falcons. Did you freeze, James? Yes. He's just so, he's just <laughs> he's so stunned just so what has just gone down. <laughs> well, just in the spirit of keeping the show on, Nige, UEFA, your conference league, your old club, West Ham United, going up yep. against Azed Alkmaar. How are you feeling about this? Now, 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 good... Nigel, Nigel, we couldn't get you to shut up in the group <laughs> chat earlier on about Azed Alkmaar. So please, in, <laughs> yeah. in light, enlighten us yeah. about the cheeseheads. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, anyway, it's a good game for West Ham. It's been a difficult season. They finally kind of turned the corner now. And I think you pretty much would say they've secured uh, another season in the Premier League. There's still obviously discussions about David Moyes' future at the club. It could be a nice way to end a really, how do I describe it, problematic season. Because expectations were risen so high with the run that they had in Europe the previous season. They brought in some new additions. Um, it's taking Paqueta a while to really start showing his quality and he's starting to show his groove now. Um, I just think that if they do win this competition, it's great. It's great for them. It puts the club in that kind of European limelight, a bit of recognition worldwide, because it is a really great club, well-supported, great fan base. Um, and uh, it will be interesting, but it's not going to be an easy game, as you and Jonathan are very well aware. He's like, a very good team. And the crazy thing is there is a, a British or a Premier League connection there with some of the people running that club. So they'll be very well aware to knowing how to come up against this West Ham side. And I'm sure Michael wants to wax lyrical about a certain U Summit player. The floor is yours, Michael. Now, just a quick shout out to Jordi Mihalovic, US men's national team player playing in a European semifinal. James, you have a question? 
Yeah, only for for Nigel. Um, I'd I'd love it, if, uh, Nigel, if you could reflect on maybe the pressure as a West Ham player. And we saw this, I thought, last season in the Europa League semis. Um, the pressure of winning a trophy. Obviously, we know this is a a great club, a historic club, probably one of the biggest in England, actually. And maybe people don't appreciate that being the third or fourth biggest team in London uh, actually makes you very big on English in English terms. But it's been a long time without top level silverware when you were playing for West Ham and. And obviously, Stephen Gerrard robbed you. Um, how, 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 like, how much pressure though in the days going up to that FA Cup final? How, how much pressure did you feel to, to end the barren streak? I, I can only speak for myself, James. Honestly, I didn't really feel any pressure. You know, honestly, for me, it was a, a, a boy living the dream, living that childhood dream. I think what probably played to my advantage was the fact of I had experience of two playoff finals, winning promotion from the championship to the premier league so you're already playing in front of what the cardiff stadium was it what ninety thousand or eighty thousand? yeah yeah eighty thousand. i already played in front of it twice so that was already kind of an experience of a major final and that was probably bigger than the fa cup final in a sense to a certain degree because of financially what it meant to the club you know that club's getting back in those days 250 million game so um for me it's not that mindset i think for the players they've been playing fantastically well recently my only concern is not to have that super arrogance to think, oh, it's only Azar Akmar, not realising that you're playing top European opposition. One thing I learned in my younger days of playing as well is when a lot of foreign players would come in to us in the academy, we would speak and we used to play against each other when someone would play for Italy or Denmark or anything like that. There was this great belief, this great thing from every other nation, whenever they played England, they raised their game because they hated the English people, they hated English culture they hate English football players and they raise their game and these players will tell me that their managers and coaches give them extra spur to beat England so it's one of those situations where you just feel is Akmar going to raise their game and standard because they're playing a Premier League side maybe it's a little bit of jealousy and envy because of how powerful and big the Premier League is worldwide but that's something that these players have to be prepared for isn't London that just more coach as well? <laughs> Isn't that just typical? Everyone's always out to spoil the fun days for the English. I mean, did you see that Katy Perry came over and sang a song about July the 4th for the King's coronation? I mean, how inappropriate and disrespectful. <laughs> go on, go on, Katie. Go on, go on. Can you get right? That's nearly <laughs> us done. Um, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. It feels oh, a bit wow. of a shame to, not, to end on such a talk about the other, the other match. Nigel, tell us about Fiorentina against Basel. <laughs> no one cares about been... Fiorentina against Basel. I'll tell you that. No, no one cares, all right? West I Amazon, care about Basel. Fiorentina. No one cares, Basel. Michael. I'll hit on it very quick. You're just a typical American. You care about everything. Everything that's irrelevant. <laughs> Don't it's sleep. all about the Premier League. Yes, it is. Don't sleep on this Fiorentina team. West Ham, right now, I think they're favorites to win it all. But I actually give this Fiorentina team the favorite call to win this competition. They have Jovic, who I incorrectly called Jokic. Thank you very much, James Bench, on Monday's preview. But they have him playing much better, playing like the player who was playing in Germany, got the big move to Real Madrid. But Nico Gonzalez as well, as well as Cabral. That three attack, they can score goals, and they love to score goals in bunches. Keep an eye on that matchup against Basel.
one final little task for you before we all, before I let you loose onto your Wednesday nights. I don't want to know what you're all getting up to, especially those of you on US time. Uh, I have one final task hey, for you, and I'll you start. You don't worry about us, mate. There's someone else you need to worry about. When we came <laughs> on this show. Who was just finishing up? I'll start. French. I don't know who you could be referring to, but for unrelated reasons, I'll start with Jonathan Johnson. Um, <laughs> JJ, how many Italian teams? Will or how many of the European trophies will be lifted by Italian teams at the end of this season? And if you want to pick, if it's more than zero, who are they? One. And I'm going to say the Europa League. Europa League, and you know what? I'm going to be the eternal optimist. Ligan needs Juventus to win it in terms of the coefficient. So I'm going to back Juve, which is probably the stupidest thing I've done all season. Yeah, Juve for a European trophy seems a um, a pulled back. Mike? Oof. So JJ and I were texting off air, and I'm going to no do No one cares. Just say it. It's crazy. Well, this is why. <laughs> Two. Conference League and the UEFA Champions League. Inter Milan are going to win it. <laughs> That's what I'm going I'm going for it. Inter Milan are going to win the Champions League. <laughs> what are they smoking over there in Texas? <laughs> Jesus Two. Christ. <laughs> Two. Two. Roma. And I'm going to go Florentina. Uh, I'm going to go Florentina. Flor yeah, close. <laughs> Florentina. Sounds like an ice cream Which flavor. Isn't yeah, that the I mean, pizza they eat there? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I'm going to go zero. Just to you know, really emphasize my Premier League status, I'm going to have Man City winning the Champions League. Uh, of course, I'm going to pick my beloved Bayer Leverkusen to win the Europa League. And, uh, of course, West Ham will win the Conference League. I cannot wait for everyone in the comments to tell me how wrong I am yet again. But that's for another night for tonight. Thanks so much for listening to House of Champions. Please do take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favourite podcast platform. Pretend you didn't hear that bit at the beginning when I got the score completely wrong. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Anyway, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find us there. We're also available on YouTube, on video. Subscribe to us over there. Uh, it's been a pleasure to join you all and to have all your comments. It's been a pleasure to be joined by Mike Lahoud, Nigel Riokoka, and Jonathan Johnson. I've been James Benj. We shall see you again very soon. Thanks so much for watching. Bye-bye. Producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.